0: there's research that shows for people that want to lose weight if you have an irregular meal schedule and an irregular sleep schedule you have a harder time losing weight your body just likes routine and so if you can give it routine and you can give it healthy routine you are going to be a performance person no matter what area of life you are operating in
1: Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Elgott.
2: And I'm AJ Meyer. And coming up in episode 248, Trev and I sit down for the second and final part of our chat with productivity and success transformation coach, Craig Valentine. And get ready because there is a ton of actionable wisdom in this, in this interview, especially this part of this interview, including Craig's five pillars of success, how and why process goals are an absolutely crucial part of achieving outcome goals, what the 3C formula is and why structure equals freedom, what one of Craig's typical perfect days looks like, and a truckload of wisdom and tips for how you can create your own perfect day.
1: Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from Rehearsal Pro, the next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors. It's now available on the iTunes App Store, so you can get it right now. There's no more waiting in case you got confused at some point along the way. If you want to learn your lines, if you want to be off book for your auditions, if you want to explore your character, make stronger choices, go into the room like a freaking rock star and just go kill it open up show them who you are just nail it because you're so freaking confident with the text go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn all about the great new features in this newest version of rehearsal you can download it right now it's a groundbreaking app it's designed by actors for actors and it is essential that's rehearsal.pro slash IAP Hey, Trev. Hey, man. How are you?
2: I'm good. Uh, I've got uh, some crazy cat playing action happening in the background.
1: Yeah, I can hear it. They're going at it, huh?
2: Oh, they're going at it. This is pretty typical.
1: So we have uh, a couple new members we wanted to welcome into the sort of inner circle and in the family for this episode. Lindsay Sparks, Kristen Norris, and Max Wallen. There's an accent over the E in Max Wallen's name, so I think it's Wallen. Uh, forgive me, Max, if I'm mispronouncing that, but welcome. People, thank you for joining us. Excited to see you in the membership. So what's new in your world, man? It looks like you had a, a self-tape for Blacklist, which I know is a show that you love.
2: Yeah, not well, I, not only do I love the show, but I've also been in for it many times. Uh, people who keep up with the, the podcast know that I've been in for this office a lot, especially when I was in New York. And that was one of the things that I wanted to mention, not necessarily that I had the you know, the meeting or the, the, the self-tape, um, but, but more that I haven't been into, I haven't auditioned for it in a, in quite a while. Uh, and part of that is, you know, they wanted the, my agency, my New York agency even said they wanted to see you in the room, but they're open to, to you self-taping. And it just, it felt really good to be like, okay, they, you know, they didn't forget about me. You know, we, Sometimes can tell ourselves unhelpful stories, like, um all right, I didn't book anything with them, so maybe they're just like, I'm not on their short list anymore, but casting directors don't forget, and if you do good work and you've been in for a, an office multiple times, they're looking for a part for you, yeah, and yeah. <clears throat> what's funny is I'm pretty sure that the character that I got a call back for uh and went uh, to a director's session for this for this show. Uh, where it came down to like me and one other person and it may have ultimately been a result of, of matching that I didn't get the part. Um, it, I, I'm pretty sure that character and the character that I just put myself on tape for had the same exact name.
1: <laughs> so, okay.
2: you know, it's just it's one of those things like they have a particular type that they see me as and, and that's fine. And, uh, and and they haven't forgotten about me. And, they're you know, they they're willing to let me put myself on tape. And Um, I was pretty I was pretty stoked about that.
1: So uh, one thing I want to point out that I think is really important, and this is a conversation we've had many times in the show, but it's been a while since we sort of brought it up. And I think it's important to sort of presence here, which is that casting directors need actors (laughs) to stay employed. (laughs) That's that's the whole gig, right? To find good actors. And I think a lot of times we tend to forget that. As actors, And we tend to think that, you know, that somehow they're the enemy. But if you show up and you make a good impression, they're like, oh, thank God I found a good one. I'm going to put him in my short stack and make sure that I find something for him because he makes me look good. You know, the, the more I can find actors like that, him or, or her, uh, the more, you know, the more I'll get jobs because casting directors are freelance oftentimes. In fact, most of the time they are. They, you know, once a show is cast, they're looking for their next gig just like actors are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to tell uh, a particular story that happened on on the Paramount lot when I was shooting my final day on NCIS. Um, but man, the cats are going crazy back there. Sorry, guys. Um, but uh, I, I just happened to be standing outside of the main um, uh, sound studio and or sound stage. And the casting director who has called me in time and time again who has uh, you know who i've gotten called back with and and uh, yeah, et, cetera, et cetera, he's literally walking by on the lot and i was like oh this is this is like what an awesome opportunity so i just went up and i said hey you know i was gonna write you a, a note uh but since um you know you're here in person i'll just do it in person and i and i shook his hand i said i just want to thank you you know you have brought me in time and time again over a, a period of probably like seven years, and you know you you never really uh i don't think i said gave up on me but i I used some you know you you always had me in mind, and i I just wanted to you to know that I really appreciate it and i'm I'm having a good time and 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 I'm excited to be working on the show and that's exactly what he said trev he said mm. he said, hey, you make us look good hmm you make us look good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so glad we found something and you know, you make us, you, you, that's why we keep bringing you back. You make us look good. So it, it, when we have more times, uh, the interview uh, today is a, a little bit on the long side, so we got to move on. But when we have some more time, uh, I still haven't told the young and the restless story. That is, that oh, is sort yeah. of on ongoing and the collaboration that's happening between me and the casting director who, Uh, yes, admittedly, is a friend of mine, is incredible. The conversations that we're having, I'm like, God, I wish every opportunity was like this, where there was like this um, uh, uh, back and forth of, well, you know, I'm thinking, I see it this way, I see it this way, the producers see it this way, here's some of the notes from them, let's talk about da-da-da-da-da. It's like, oh, if only every opportunity was like this. And I don't know, since it isn't, uh, there's got to be some way that we can um, work on every role, such that it is that way. In other words, if the collaboration isn't necessarily going to happen between you and someone in the production, maybe it happens between you and a friend, you and a coach, you and yourself. You know, where you're where you're sort of tossing around ideas, and then you feel, I don't know, more confident going into the room. And that's, that goes back to why we started calling them meetings, right? It's like, these are my ideas for this role. And then just be open to whatever happens in the room or whatever ideas that they have.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm really excited to tell that story at some point when we have some more time, but
1: and that's, that's a game-changing mindset, too, to just see these meetings as collabor- creative collaborations, seeing if there's potential for creative collaboration. And that's really all it is. It's not about being good or bad. It's about, is what I'm bringing to the role, does that mesh with what your sort of vision is for it? And, and if not, can we make adjustments to make it work? And if we can't, then whatever. You know, it wasn't my role to begin with then. Yeah. It's such, that's such a powerful game-changer, man.
2: Yeah, and 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 like I said, this 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 particular collaboration is it's it's just it's an ongoing story, put it that way. So it's so no one's missing out on anything because it's it's still happening. This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you by vo 2 the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO training four years in a row. Visit VO, that's in as in voiceover, vo to gogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO the number two gogo.com slash start.
1: Okay, now we've got a question from Jess that we got uh, a while ago. This has been in the queue for a while, uh, and it's, um, I don't know, it could bring up some interesting stuff. So I'm just going to read what she's written to us here. She says, I'm a 21-year-old from Alaska who five months ago, at the time of this writing, packed up my little car with all my belongings that would fit and drove to California to transfer to a performing arts school in L.A. where I had been given their top scholarship it's pretty awesome uh i started getting cold feet about the school though and the day before the semester started i withdrew because i was hearing mainly negative experiences from alumnus that ha- that i'd reached out to so then i found myself in los angeles with my four-year plan to educate myself in the field of performing arts just gone okay so that's kind of a that's intense to be in. Yeah. yeah. So then she says, uh, so for the past three months, I've been taking classes at a couple of great studios in town. Uh, I'm in the advanced cold reading class at one studio and I'm in the beginning class uh, at another technique studio. And the technique studio has three tiers, uh, beginning, advanced and masters. That's pretty common for a lot of these technique studios. And she says, uh, I've been really appreciating both of the classes. Acting lessons in Alaska are, are really sort of slim to none and therefore uh I have no previous experience with any acting techniques so she's learning a lot but here's the crux of her question she asks should i put in the months or year or years that it takes to get into the master's class at this technique studio or should i be putting a little time in here and there trying out other techniques at other studios when it comes to an actor's resume And what training the actor's gotten, does it matter more that the actors put an extensive amount of time into one teacher, one technique, one school, or that they know a little about a lot of different techniques? So great question, Jess. Thank you so much for this. Uh, it really boils down to: Do I stick with one track of trading for now, or do I diversify my training because it may look better on the resume? I may meet more people. I may, um, you know, get access to different types of ideologies faster.
2: So uh, yeah, a couple of things. First of all, Jess, the the fact that you're even asking this question, first and foremost, is it says a lot. It says a lot about you, the, how seriously you're you're taking your your career, the, 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 the technique, the, the, the technique, the the craft of it. You, you are doing something that a lot of actors don't do, which is that you are showing up here and knowing that you don't have training, and you and you deserve and uh, I don't know what the word is need to get better. Um, you know, James Dumont talked about it on, uh, on his episodes, you, you, there, there, there gets to be a certain amount of, you know, training that happens for, for any actor. So that, that's, that's first and foremost, as far as the resume goes, I don't know that it matters so much that there be multiple techniques on there. Um, uh, the, it's really just about showing that you have had some training because the resume is not necessarily about your work in the room. The resume is about getting you in the room. And I've had conversations with casting directors directly and where I say, hey, you know, does, it, does, does what I have on my resume look good? Does it matter? And I had one casting director even say, like, look, and he, and he highlighted the four letters UCLA. And he said, if I see that, that's all I really need to see. So if they see a studio on your resume that it has some clout or is well respected, that's all they really, that's all they really need. That's all that, 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 that they're like, okay, they have some training. I'm not bringing in somebody cold. And and if they don't know who you are, chances are they're going to bring you in for a pre-read anyway. And this is why the training is important. And so you do a good job in the room. Your training is not about putting something on your resume. Your training is about actually doing good work. So if you feel like the the class or the, the, the technique studio that you're at right now is actually supporting you in doing said good work, then stick it out. Get better. Move up in the ranks, so to speak. Unless, of course, it seems like they're just scamming you out of more and more money, which is a whole other conversation. But um, <clears throat> if it if it's working for you and you feel like you're making progress and you feel it and you have other opinions other than the instructor's opinions that that is actually the case then stick with it um i come from a school of thought and this is not something that's shared by everyone so this is my personal opinion i come from a school of thought where the more tools in your tool belt the more ingredients you can put in the stew, so to speak, the better. In other words, you may want to explore other techniques, other studios, other acting teachers so that you don't get uh, into this uh, rut of only having one particular um, way of looking at things or way of looking at um, sides. I mean, you're doing the cold reading thing. That's great. You're doing a technique class. That's great. But maybe, you know, the other thing that you throw in there is um, some script analysis or something. I'm trying to think of the things that you get from, from going to a, from a university training like, like Trevor or myself had. There's going to be, there's gonna be um, you know, uh, classes where, you, where you're breaking down like dramatic structure and, and, and peeling apart, you know, a play uh, based on <clears throat> not necessarily the the acting, but the storytelling, which is important, and uh, and and something that n- it doesn't always get touched upon in these in these technique classes technique classes. Um, so I, I, yeah, I would say you're let yourself off the hook a little bit, Jess, because uh, just based on my experience of the email, you sound uh, a little anxious, which I, I think is more coming from the fact that you. Had this plan, and it sort of shifted on you, right? Who moved my cheese? If you've ever read that book, um, if you haven't, I would I would recommend it. Um, Does that make sense? Am I? I feel like I've gotten to the point of rambling. But yeah, right.
1: no, no, that makes absolute sense. It's it's a tricky sort of idea to you know roll around in your brain because on the one hand, there is a lot of value in seeing something through from beginning to end and really getting the full benefit of something the full nutrients of something.
2: Mm, I think nutrients. it's
1: been I think it's been said that uh, you know the last the that 80 you know the whole 80-20 principle the Pareto principle that 80% of your results come from 20% of your actions. I've heard it talked about in the context of 80% of your results coming in the last 20% of time invested. So if you look at it that way, let's say you take a class for a year, a year-long curriculum, a year-long sort of study path. Uh, the last, you know, two or three months where you're going to get the bulk of the value. And so if you don't stick something through all the way to the end, you're going to miss out on that. So that's one way to think about it. On the other hand, you know, you may be locking yourself into an ideology or a specific tool set that isn't necessarily going to be the best tool set to serve you. And you won't know unless you go out there and expose yourself to other things. So I think it's really a gut. It's a judgment thing. It's a gut level thing. And, uh, the one thing I would also sort of, you know, drop in here is that it depends a lot on your goals too. My experience has been that casting directors, like you said, AJ don't really, unless they're commercial casting directors, they don't really care what training is on your resume. Uh, if, if, if if, it's a commercial thing, they're going to look for improv at one of the major improv schools. They're going to look for ground liens or UCB, which stands for upright citizens brigade for anybody who's sort of newer to listening to this, uh, Acme comedy. And, uh, what's the other one? Second city, mm-hmm. one of those big four. And there's a few others, but those are like the big four that they, they look for. There's a fifth one too, that I'm forgetting at the moment.
2: Uh, IO. Thank Impro you. IO. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So, so th- that's a big one. If if commercials are your your main sort of goal, your main um, focus at the moment, but if they're not, although I do think improv training is extremely valuable, it's hard to be a great improv actor and a bad regular actor. <laughs> it just it doesn't work. You have to if you're a great improv actor, you're a great all around actor in my experience. So I, I would definitely um, take a look at that at some point, Jess. Uh, but as far as sticking with something, you know, stick with it only if you feel it's really serving you and you you'll know you'll, your gut will be telling you, yes, this is good for me. I'm afraid, but I'm excited to go to these places. I, I feel challenged or it can be something that feels toxic or boring or, uh, you know, f- you're afraid in, in, not a good way, or you don't feel challenged it, it, you feel it out, you know, and once you find something you like, stick with it, but know that, uh, any one like, I know that the goal is to diversify your tool set as much as possible. Mm. So I, I, I hope that's not like a non-answer.
2: <laughs> but, we, we sort of said yes. Yeah. She, asked a, she asked a non-yes or no question, and we were like, uh-huh.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it, it is one of those things you have to kind of feel out. And, and Jess, you have time on your side. You're 21 years old. I mean, you're, and you're just starting. And This is your mindset at 21 years old. I see very good things in your future. Right. It, it says yes. a lot of, that that you're asking these questions and coming from this place at such a young age. So so keep at it, you know. Keep you know adjusting, moving forward, adjusting, moving forward, taking action, adjusting, and uh, keep us posted on your success and let us know um, what other questions you have. We would love to support you in and you know building up your career, leveling up.
2: That was such a more succinct way of saying what I said. Thank you so much, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Yes, that. That's what I was trying to say before when I was Ramble City.
1: All right. Well, we uh, get to jump into our second uh, interview segment with Craig Valentine now. Um, anything you wanted to add before we, we jump right in? I mean, this is uh, awesome stuff here. I mean, we teased it at the top of the episode, but there's a lot of good stuff here. So if you're listening and you have the ability to have a pen and paper with you, I definitely recommend that. Anything you would uh, add before we jump in, AJ?
2: No sir, no sir, I, I, as probably many people noticed in the first part, I was quite uh, quiet during this interview because I was just soaking it all in. So um, enjoy this, guys, and we'll, we'll catch you on the other side.
1: into um, uh, some of the things that you outline in the book, specifically the five pillars. And I I don't want to, I want to let you talk about it because this was a big one for me, but what are the five pillars that you outlining and can you walk us through a few example of these in action?
0: Yeah, for sure. And so I discovered them from my transformation contest. So classic before and after little essay from each person that enters the before and after transformation. And we have winners and the winners always had these five things, these five common characteristics. And then years after I discovered them, I realized, Hey, I use these same five pillars to overcome my anxiety. And so they go like this, they're better planning and preparation to start then professional accountability, positive social support, a meaningful incentive and the big deadline. And so for my personal change in the anxiety, well, better planning and preparation. Stop staying out late and getting up really early, you know, three or four days a week. Stop drinking. Stop uh, excess caffeine intake. And so that was better planning and preparation with my lifestyle. Then I had professional accountability. I was hiring Qigong instructors, yoga instructors, meditation instructors. I had to show up. I had to be accountable to these people that I was hiring and I had to do the training with them. And then I had positive social support. I had some friends who had gone through stuff that was similar. So I was able to lean on them in tough times and on those days where I was like, this really sucks, I was able to call them up and ask for help. And then meaningful incentive, well, that one was built in for me because when you have anxiety, you have depression, it's very difficult for anybody else around you to understand. But you know going through it, you'll do anything to get rid of it. And so that was my meaningful incentive. Whereas with the weight loss people – their meaningful incentive is often around somebody else. So it might be, you know, they want to have more energy for their kids or they want to look better for their spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend. So that is the meaningful incentive because it has to be meaningful in order to keep you going through those tough times. And then finally, the fifth pillar is the big deadline. And for me, I had a big deadline in my business. So I'd hired a business coach at the same time. Um, It just happened to be a pivotal year for me, both business wise and personal wise. And so In July, I had a big product launch and I had the anxiety starting in March and I knew that it was going to be very stressful in my business in July. So I needed to get healthy again and so I just kept on pushing and pushing to turn over every rock, to try every therapy, to try every type of exercise to help overcome the anxiety and fortunately, it all worked out uh, about a month before – the product launch, I was able to overcome the anxiety. And so that was how everything worked out for me using the five pillars. And you can see how they would work for somebody in the weight loss world. You know, you do better planning and preparation of your nutrition, your exercise program, your sleep, your water intake. You just have it all down so you wouldn't have to guess ever. And then you would have professional accountability through a trainer or a nutritionist. So professional accountability is different than positive social support because the professional accountability source is your coach. They're going to give you expert advice. They're going to hold you accountable. They're not going to accept any excuses. Whereas your positive social support, that's more like your cheerleaders in life. And those people are going to be there to pick you up when you're feeling down. But they'll never give you expert advice because they aren't experts. And then the meaningful incentive, we talked about that. That's pretty obvious that you want to either lose weight for your kids or your spouse or for your health, you know, because your doctor said, "Hey, if you don't change here in 6 months, you could be a goner." That's a pretty good incentive for somebody to take action. And then finally the big deadline, whether it's a 90-day transformation or 21-day quick fix, whatever it is, you can quick start, you can you can get going and having that deadline knowing that, "Hey, I can I can slow down a little bit in 3 weeks or 60 days or 90 days, but right now I got to stay focused." Everybody can stay focused for 90 days on a big Goal. so that's the power of the deadline
1: mm, i love that i was going to ask uh when it comes to something like anxiety how do you set a deadline for like i will banish my anxiety by this date but for you it was all about having this product launch and the anxiety going away was the result of other actions you were taking to to prep for that
0: yeah, and you can also do it around what are called process goals. So someone can say they want to lose 10 pounds. That's an outcome goal. But you can't really control whether or not you lose 10 pounds. You might lose 12. You might lose nine and a half, But you're not going to look at yourself as a failure if you only lose nine and a half. But you can put deadlines on the process goals to get there. So, for example, I need to join a gym in order to work out three days a week at, with this trainer in order to lose 10 pounds. So I need to join a gym by Friday of this week. That's my first deadline. That's my deadline that's built in there. I need to do 15 workouts in the month of January. Okay, that's a built-in deadline. You can control those actions even though you can't necessarily control the outcome. So I could say, okay, well, I'm going to do yoga twice this week. I'm going to do Qigong twice this week. Those are my deadlines. I have to get those four sessions in before the end of this week. And then that way you have deadlines, which are mini deadlines around the process goals, which help you hit the big outcome goal before your deadline.
1: Mm, love that. Uh, you also talk about the 3C formula. Um, so what is, for our listeners, what is this and how does it work?
0: So 3C formula is based on stoic philosophy. And so there's a teacher who was named Epictetus and he had a line that I interpreted it as control what you can, cope with what you can, and concentrate on what counts. And so I applied that 3C formula to the three parts of the day. You control your morning. You get off to a good start. You get the most done. You get a lot of structure in your morning. Then you control the chaos of the world – or sorry, you conquer the chaos of the world in the afternoon when people are bringing you emergencies and phone calls and fires and everything that they think is life or death. And Then you concentrate on what counts in the evening. Mm-hmm. That's based on your vision for your life and the people that you want to spend time with and knowing what really matters and so with that three c formula, you can really have perfect days
2: i I love
1: this stuff, man because you know we I, I've read a lot of you know screenwriting books and and you know personal development books, human potential type stuff and and every single one of them, including the perfect day formula talks about the way to freedom is to create structure, which sounds completely and you know and antithetical but it's true. If you have that structure, you can really free up a lot of energy and wasted, you know, resources and things like that.
0: Yeah, there's a really great quote from Paulo Coelho who said, uh, you know, he's the author of The Alchemist and he said, "Discipline and freedom are not mutually exclusive but mutually dependent because without discipline you would descend into chaos." And that's totally true. And here's like an an obvious example. If you Don't stop at red lights. If you ignore all traffic lights, if you ignore the rules of the road, what is going to happen? What if everybody did that? It would be complete and utter chaos out there. You could not possibly live like that. And so we have rules for the road so that we get to where we want to get to safely and so we can live a free life. And that's the same with how we need to structure our days so that we get. And do what we want to do, and still get home on time for dinner, and be successful in our life, and have time for our family.
1: Awesome. So, I'm wondering if you could. I I, I came across, uh, sort of, re-came across you when I read your um, morning routine in my on my morningroutine.com. Oh, cool. And I I talked, I I waxed like enthusiastic about that to our listeners for at least a few episodes. And um, in in that article, you kind of outline what a day for you looks like, a perfect, you know, quote unquote, perfect day. Can you just kind of briefly summarize what a typical day looks like for you from when you get up in the morning to when you go to bed at night?
0: Yeah, sure. So even when I'm traveling, it's relatively the same. Like I'm in Florida right now uh, because we have a big project going on down here. And so I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I write uh, for the first hour because that's my number one priority in my career and in my personal life. Uh, Well, my personal satisfaction, that is, is is writing. And so I wrote, and then I do meditation. Then I did exercise. Um, Usually, if I'm home, I would walk my dog before the exercise. Uh, Then I'd have breakfast, and then I would write a little bit more and then lunch and then in the afternoon i do calls like this because i am all out of words for writing and basically i'm just much better at being creative in the morning and i like to take the calls in the afternoon to wind down and then you know i'll stop working around four o'clock uh tonight i have a dinner out and i actually um, we're doing a webinar tonight so it's a different night than normal but usually it would be uh, dinner and then just relaxation around the home maybe a walk and then get rid of the electronics a couple hours before bed and just you know read old school books old school newspapers magazines I love travel magazines and then and then go to bed and drift off to sleep so I have a pretty low key life I do travel a lot so I get to to a lot of countries in the summertime and to a lot of seminars during the during the rest of the year but even when I'm traveling you and if you know your routine you can get back on it pretty quick
1: God, I love that. And you, you said you get up at 4 a.m. And actually, yeah. I, I'm one of those people that getting up early in the morning is not difficult for me. Uh, but I, I guarantee we've got a lot of people listening going like, what? <laughs> 4 a.m.? Oh, yeah.
0: I, got, I got home at 4 a.m. last
1: night. Yeah. yeah. And then I think you go to bed at like 830 or 9 when you don't have anything else planned. So, so how did you come to adopt this habit? How did you install this in your life?
0: One day in about two thousand and seven or eight, I woke up at seven thirty in the morning and I went, This is wrong. This is I mean, I know people are going, Wow, you got up at seven thirty, that's still early for me. I mean, I know that there's people like that. But for me, when I got up, I just went, No, this is wrong. I feel like I'm already behind. And so I like to do I like to get everything done in the morning. I like to somehow get all my work done, exercise read the paper, have a, a nice breakfast you know walk the dog I mean how can you get all that done before noon if you're not up early um, and so I'm just naturally a morning person. And I find it very spiritual in the morning. So you know, people that do yoga at 6 in the morning, they're they're saying, I hear you. I know exactly how you feel. Um, I love to be up and writing when nobody else is writing. I actually have this crazy theory that Saturday mornings are the best days to work because nobody else is working and they're not stealing your mental energy. So I think that Mm. is about as crazy of a theory as you'll ever hear from me. (laughs) But I have written some (laughs) of my best stuff on Saturday mornings. And I just love it because you – I think what really matters is you know that the emails are not going to be coming in and the phone is not going to ring. And so you, you have no distractions and it's just totally, you, you know, there's a different feeling on Saturday morning compared to any other morning of the week. And you can just kind of maybe let loose a little bit more in in your creativity. So, you know, for screenwriters and stuff, you know, give it a shot, try writing on a few Saturday mornings rather than being hung over. And I think you'll make a, a little bit more progress in your life. So, so that's how it works for me. And, and all I did, in my opinion, was I shifted my clock. You know, everybody has to go to bed at some time. And so I shifted my bedtime from, you know, ten thirty, eleven o'clock or whatever to 830. And I don't have a commute. I don't have a, a, you know, a boss that needs me anywhere. So I'm able to do that. Now, obviously, it's a little bit different for some other people. But, you know, some people work overnight. Some people are shift workers. So if they can do that, then I can do my schedule and uh, you know, everybody still survives here. So let's, uh, let's not make it out to be anything that it's not. It's not as crazy as most people think. It's just a matter of if you had to do it, everybody could do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, since reading the perfect day formula, I've committed to getting up at the same time every single day. And, uh, for me right now, that's 6 AM. And there are times where I don't get to bed till like, you know, midnight or 1230. And, uh, I found that getting up at the same time, even if I only slept for five and a half hours and just sort of plan a nap if I can later in the day that that 's the secret just getting up at the same time every day. I naturally get tired around nine thirty or so and it's it's life changing stuff
0: it's so simple, and I rejected it for seven years, but when I finally did it, I was you know usually. Before that, I was dragging my butt on Monday and Tuesday, and sometimes even Wednesday morning. It wasn't until Thursday morning that I'd be back to normal, and then that would be the night that I would screw it all up again, you know, But when I went and started doing every single night, you know, get to bed at it was probably eleven o'clock back then. Get out of bed at six thirty in the morning and within two weeks. I totally felt the difference in the energy. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I wasn't tired. So the next time somebody has a two-week or three-week stint where the social calendar is pretty low-key, whether it's January or whether it's you know when everybody gets back from the summertime in uh, September, October, or maybe November when it starts to get dark out early – just you know, take it easy and stick to that schedule for a couple weeks and you'll be blown away by what a difference it makes. I mean I think it's almost more important than daily nutrition in terms of your all-day energy. It really, really just keeps you on track. And, and actually, um, there's research that shows for people that want to lose weight, if you have an irregular meal schedule and an irregular sleep schedule, you have a harder time losing weight. Your body just likes routine. And so if you can give it routine and you can give it healthy routine, you are going to be a performance person no matter what area of life you are operating in.
1: Wow. Amen. Everything you said I've found to be true, and I've only been doing this for a month or so. Um, But yeah, uh, you you also refer to your early morning work hours as your magic time. So your energy is naturally high early in the morning. And I, I know you in the book you talk about, you know, that's when you get your highest leverage, highest priority work done. And for people who are listening and are, are sort of like, OK, I'll try this morning thing, but like I'm an actor, like I'm not going to like work on a monologue or like do, rehearse at six in the morning. So when it comes to defining what counts, like what the highest priority work is and creating a vision for someone's life, I mean, what, what uh, advice would you give to help somebody sort of key in on on that?
0: Well, I have a little tool. If you go to craigballantine.com forward slash free gift, there's a little tool called a time journal there. I mean, it's very simple. I mean, anybody could use a piece of paper, but what essentially what you do is, We've broken up the day into 20 minute sections. And so you just write down every 20 minutes what you're doing. You know, right now I'm working on a monologue. Right now I'm working on a screenplay. Right now I'm screwing around on Facebook. Right now I'm screwing around on, you know, whatever, LinkedIn or something. Right now, you know, for the next three time slots, I'm eating dinner and I'm sleeping from this. And you just go through and you figure out. Through objectively looking at your day when you are productive. And, and so I realized I was a morning person back when I was training clients and all my good ideas would come when I was training my first client at six in the morning. And I realized, okay, I need to get rid of these six o'clock clients if I want to become an online business owner who writes and creates for a living. And so when those people, you know, left town because their job moved them out of town or if they needed to change to a different time slot, I didn't fill that time slot. And I slowly was able to cut back so that I didn't start training until 9 or 10 in the morning. And by then I was getting an hour or two of really quality work done and it made a huge difference in my life. And so that is what you need to do is objectively look at when your energy ebbs and flows And try and fit in your performance into that time on your top priorities, your magic time, which is when you will get two to three times the quality work done in the same amount of time. So for me, if I tried to write an article at 7 o'clock at night, it would take me three hours, but I could get it done in an hour at 7 o'clock in the morning. And so once you know that stuff and you know about yourself, it really truly is, as Shakespeare said, know thyself, then you are ahead of the game. Most people just never really do that proactive uh, thinking and objective look at their life
1: mm. do, do you think it 's possible for everybody to become a morning person? or do you think it is kind of programmed into our genetics as some people no like no
0: i believe I believe that there 's twenty percent of people who are chronologically night owls now that means that eighty percent of people are not uh, so I have a friend, Joel Marion. he works from ten p m till two a m every night i mean it 'd be very difficult for him to do the other the other uh, schedule. So there are people that do that. But um, have you ever read the book Daily Rituals by Mason Curry?
1: No, but it's on my list.
0: It's a really great book. And in it, Anne Rice, who wrote Interview with a Vampire and a few other yeah. art uh, books like that, she explains how she wrote her first couple overnight. Like you know, she would stay up late, and then when she had kids, she was like, "I can't do this." And so she transitioned into writing first thing in the morning. Uh, Neil Strauss, another person who used to be out with Motley Crue all the time and writing his books, and when he was working for and when he was working for the Rolling Stone covering that stuff, he did an experiment where he started his day early, and he was able to do it. So most people are able to do it, and they just don't want to do it. But um, you know, eventually if you want to really succeed in life, you have to operate on what's best for your success plan and not what the little child inside of you wants to do. So it really is at the end of the day, it's, um, it's up to somebody whether or not they're going to do it. So again, if you go to jail, I'm pretty sure you don't get uh, – to you know check off when you want to get out of bed they make you get out of bed at a certain time every day and i'm pretty sure that everybody in jail gets up when uh, they're told to get (laughs) up so so (laughs) if you had to do something you could do it it's just that you don't want to do it and you should stop blaming your genetics and just accept that you are unwilling to pay the price
1: Mm, that's really powerful uh i know we've only got powerful yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I know we've only got a, f- a few minutes left here, but I want to ask you, I want to touch on the 12 rules um, yeah. that, that you've made for yourself, because I, I've kind of co-opted your rules and just changing a few words here and there, I more or less have the same exact thing tacked to my board right in front of me right now. And I look at it every day and it's been extremely powerful for me, especially when coupled with the vision exercise you talk about in the book. So can you talk a little bit about how you've used y- your vision and these rules to create really kind of create yourself so that you could create the life that you've wanted?
0: Yeah. So I think a lot of people have rules in place already. We have, um, you could call it a personal operating system, like a computer, if you want to use that analogy. And so everyone does operate by rules. We operate by rules when we drive. We operate by rules with our nutrition program. We operate by by rules about how we uh, deal with people. And so I think there's a few templated rules that everybody should have, which are, you know, one, what time you go to bed and what time you get up. Uh, A good rule for your health could be about the way that you eat or the way that you exercise or how often you meditate or whatever it is. You could have a rule about your health, a rule about the first thing that you do in the morning to move yourself ahead in life. So I always recommend 15 minutes working on your number one problem or opportunity as soon as you get up, and so you just write down. Okay, every morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to write for 15 minutes because I'm a screenwriter. I'm going to get up and I'm going to you know do the scales because I'm a singer, or I'm going to get up and you know spend 15 minutes on exercise because exercise is number one thing in my life right now. So I need to get my health back. So whatever it is, you have that rule. Then a number one, uh, then you have a rule. Sorry for the number one thing that can move your wealth ahead, you know, so what can I do to save money today or to invest money better or to make more money or to improve my skill set that will bring me more money? What can I do today and spend some time on that? And then another rule would be what not to do. So most people, as I always like to explain, often do a lot of good things, but the one, two or three bad things that they do, derail them and are worse than all of the good things are good combined. And so if you're an alcoholic and you you do all of your meetings and you connect with your sponsor and you do all that stuff six days a week, but on Friday night, you go to a bar guess what? You're screwed. You're going to be drinking again and you are not going to ever become a recovering alcoholic. And so that is the importance of knowing what you must not do and making a rule about it. So the, the rules are just guidelines and boundaries to help you stay out of trouble, to help reduce the amount of willpower you need to get through the day and make the right decisions so that you accelerate your success in life.
1: I love that. And, and then clarifying your vision. I mean, there's that whole the whole exercise in the book where you basically share your ideal sort of life. And it was really powerful. Can you talk about how you've used that to, to leverage your energy?
0: The, the which one? The vision?
1: Uh, yeah, like the vision, like, a, like it was almost like a story, like about how you have the house and people coming over for the holidays. And, oh, yeah. So that's yeah. my favorite
0: part of the book is Me too. I, <laughs> chapter 22 is, is creating the vision. So I had the vision for owning early to rise and that came true. And when I realized that could come true, I realized I need to write down exactly what I want to have in life. And so I know exactly where I want to live. And I, and I encourage people to write down a very, very clear vision for their life. Three years in the future from now as if you're writing a screenplay for the movie of your life, and you've already accomplished all the things that you want to accomplish in three years. And so you're writing this letter back to yourself or this chapter in your book about yourself having accomplished everything. And so I know where I live. I know what house I live in. I know there's a pool in the backyard, what cars are in the garage, You know, where the kids sleep, what the kids are named, what the kids do after school, what our family does, what our rituals are, you know, what organizations we're involved in in the community, um, our favorite holiday of the year, all of this stuff, how much we travel, how much I work, what my work schedule is, all of these things. And you just write out, here's exactly how I want my life to look like. And now you have a very clear and concise picture. You have that destination. And so you can use the analogy of going somewhere on a trip. If you want to go to Disneyland, you know exactly where disneyland is you know exactly where you are right now and then you look on a map and you just draw the straight line to the destination and that's what creating a vision for your life does for you you know where you are now you know where you want to get to and you know that this is the route that you have to follow and you're not going to go off on this detour over here or this detour over here you're going to stick to the road and it helps make those decisions much easier for you to succeed in life
1: So awesome. I mean, that combined with the rules and the five pillars and the process goals. I mean, it's it just it fits together beautifully. Um, We just got a few questions left. I do want to ask you what um, you've done in the past uh, that that you recognize as like a big mistake, you know, something that sets you back. What would if you could pick one thing to share? What would that that be?
0: that would not be getting a coach soon enough so i could have afforded a mentor in 2003 i waited until 2006 until i finally hired my first business coach and i wish i would have done that so much sooner i'd be helping 10 times the number of people today and so that's really what it's all about is you know i needed to let go of my ego i needed to stop being so cheap and stubborn and i needed to get a coach and so today i have um I spend $55,000 a year on coaching to these days through mastermind groups and through an individual coach that I have. And I'm always getting better. I know that there's still lots of room for improvement, both personally and professionally. And so that's what I wish I would have got before was someone who has been there and done that, who shares my morals and ethics. And that's who I needed to go to for advice when I was younger. Wish I would have done that. Mm. Where, where did you go to find a coach? Uh, It just actually evolved naturally out of conversation with a friend of mine who I was looking up to as a kind of a virtual mentor, somebody who I looked as a role model. And he said, you know, I'm looking to take on coaching clients. And I said, hey, I'm ready. So it was classic. When the student is ready, the teacher teacher will appear, just like that old Mm -hmm. uh, philosophical saying
1: love that. And then if somebody is listening to this and they're, they're like, okay, I'm on board, I'm going to get the book, I'm I'm ready to go. What would you recommend something that they can do like right now to, to start taking control of their time and their day?
0: Right. So first thing you're going to do tomorrow is get up five, 10, 15 minutes earlier. You're going to go down to your kitchen table you're going to identify your number one problem or opportunity in life. Maybe you need to get out of debt, or maybe you need to find somebody on match.com, or maybe you need to start writing your first screenplay. And you're going to spend that 15 minutes thinking, planning, and doing that number one priority. You're going to be taking care of that. And if you do that six days a week, or if not seven days a week, that work is going to compound over time. So it's First thing in the morning, number one priority, 15 minutes early, focus on it, no electronics, nothing but your brain, pen, and paper. You will make massive progress in life. Love it. That's awesome. Okay, uh, two, two
1: final questions for you, Craig. We ask these of all our guests, and they always get really cool answers, so I'm, I'm excited to hear yours.
0: Well, now, I hope I don't disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I think you actually may have answered both of these uh, many yeah. times over, but we're going to ask them anyway. Do you, do you feel that this life path... Chose you, or do you feel like you chose it?
0: Bit of both. I mean, I think that there's a lot of things that I could be doing. Um, I think that my life gave me some struggles, and whether or not, I mean, I decided to take them on, and so it was kind of a combination of you know the life saying, "Hey, you want to take door number A or door A or door number one or whatever?" And I said, "Yeah, I will take it." But I think that you know life would have given me doors two and three and four, and they would have been maybe even interesting. Uh, just as interesting but i'm very happy with what i've chosen
1: Hmm. awesome and then secondly if you could distill all your knowledge all your victories all your stumbles everything that you've experienced in your journey and condense it down into one nugget of wisdom to pass on to somebody uh walking this journey as well walking this path what would that nugget of wisdom be
0: um All right. So I would say that the most important things in life are people and experiences. And so it's not money or stuff. It's people and experiences. So everything that you do, you know, your vision in life, your rules should be set up to help you maximize your people and experiences and your pillars should help you become a better person so you can have better experiences. And that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, when you're, you know you're sitting on your deathbed you're going to be saying i'm grateful for all these people in the room here i'm grateful for all the experiences i had i don't care if i was driving a 400,000 dollar ferrari or you know a 10,000 dollar fiat or whatever you know all that matters was that someone was there in the in the passenger seat with me, who I really loved and enjoyed, and so that's what really matters, and that's the perspective that you need to have. But you also need to be out there pushing yourself and doing your best every day, and never giving up on what is important to you. So people always say never ever give up, but it's really never give up on what is important to you, because sometimes you should give up things, you know, like bad habits and and you know things that do not serve you. So just focus on making yourself better and you'll make uh, your life better and the life of everyone around you better awesome
1: craig if people want to find you online uh, i think i know you're on twitter do you do any other social media or where can people find you
0: twitter is the best way to do it so twitter.com forward slash craig valentine just drop me a note and we can get the conversation started from there
1: Awesome. Great. And we'll have links to internet independence and the perfect day formula and all your other sites and, and projects on our website as well. So Craig, thank you so much for taking the time. This was awesome.
0: Yeah, was a really great call. Thank you guys. Hey
2: folks, welcome back from uh, the, the the bidding of adieu to Craig Valentine. And and if Craig, if you're listening, thank you so much. So much value in this. I love that we are getting people on Twitter, uh, you know, talking about, you know, tweeting him and, and talking about the interview and just saying like how valuable it's been. And these are actors, you know, who are just inspired to, you know, step up their game, take their life and productivity to the next level. Uh, Trev, anything you want to say as far as a, a debrief on this one? I know that uh, this was like a, a, a really awesome uh, opportunity for you to to talk somebody you've been following for for so many years.
1: Yeah, it was really really cool, man. I, I admire Craig quite a bit, uh, as you could tell in the interview. Uh, I, I do want to just sort of posit this, that if you listened to this interview and you thought like, eh, that's that's overdoing it, or "Eh, that's kind of extreme, or I'm not a morning person, I'm a night owl, but the only thing I would counter that with um, is that in the entertainment industry, unless you are consistently working in theater, you've got to be a morning person. Theater people are night people. You almost always have rehearsals at night and you go, you know, you tend to go kind of late. Uh, but with film and television and radio and voiceover and all that stuff, it's a morning gig. I remember when we, when we were working at Apple, AJ, I I think you were here for this. You were at the store for this and they shot Entourage at our store and they shot an episode of Entourage.
2: Oh, yeah, I, I was, but I was not there on that day.
1: Okay. I, I, I was I was there. I was one of the extras in, 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 the, uh, in the episode, and I remember looking at the call sheet. Somehow I got a hold of the call sheet, and I was looking at it, and I saw all the top actors. They were called at 6 a.m., and they were mm, all mm-hmm. on that set at 5.45, and the crew was there at 4.30 in the morning. And that, yep. guys, that is not atypical. That is actually fairly standard for uh, filming film and television, so using something like Craig's uh, principles and his structure and everything he talked about in this interview can really be a boon for your acting career. If you can train yourself now, it's hold the whole uh, LL Cool J Will Smith ideology, you know, be ready so you don't have to get ready, train yourself to be a morning person now so that when the gigs start coming, getting up at 4 30 AM ain't no thing. You got that handled. That's why I think this is such a valuable uh, interview for actors so just just uh, I would invite you if you are in that headspace that's like eh that's extreme I'm a night person just take a closer look and see you know how this could benefit you in the future if you were to put these install these in your life these things that Craig talks about install them in your life now that's all I'm done preaching
2: I love that no that's great
1: so what is your pick of the week in fact I you recommended this to me uh, earlier this week.
2: Yeah, I, I haven't talked about it on the pod. Well, I, I may have mentioned it once, but I I've been recommending it to so many that I just decided to talk about it on the podcast. So, as you know, um, Jasmine and I have had our um, our experience with. Uh, depression and clinical depression and all the things that go along with it. And anybody who's following the podcast for a long time uh, sort of was with us on that journey, especially when we were in New York. Um, and recently <clears throat> she listened to an audiobook book uh, of a book called a mind of your own by uh, Dr. Kelly Brogan. And I was listening to it with her right along with her and it it could potentially be life-changing or game-changing for anyone who is experiencing any kind of anxiety, depression, or other um, sort of mental unbalance. She, the, the things that she talks about in terms of diet, in terms of chemical um, balance or imbalance in the body, and in terms of the way in which we have decided to deal with it in especially Western society is – I'm telling you, it could be game changing for someone who might be dealing with, with these things out there. And um, it's so fascinating to, to watch her unpack them and realize just how messed up we have become when it comes to dealing with this kind of d- dis-ease. Mm. Um, and she actually says in the book that she, she – she shies away from or, or does not like to use the word disease when it comes to depression because so much of it is actually, um, you know, for instance, related to diet. And so calling it a disease, you're you're immediately saying like it's this thing where you're actually it's sort of like talking about it as if it was a, a disease as opposed to a symptom. And her whole thing is it is a symptom of other things going on. Mm, mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, obviously we don't have time to get into too much detail here, but if you listen to this, even if you're not dealing with these kind of uh, issues, if you listen to this, you will just be floored at how she unpacks the way in which, like, our medical system has chosen to deal with this issue. And uh, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. Let's put it that way. It's really unfortunate how— um how we have chosen as a society to to approach this and and i will just say there is another way
1: wow okay
2: so check it out a mind of your own by kelly brogan uh there's a link on on in the show notes to this episode obviously uh what is your pick of the week
1: my pick of the week is a novel by uh, a fellow named Jonathan Franzen, perhaps you've heard of him. He is uh, kind of widely considered to be the mm, the embodiment of the great American novelist in this day and age, like still living. Uh, and he is quite the writer. I've read three of his books now. I read The Corrections, which I think was nominated for a bunch of awards. Uh, I read a book called Freedom, which might be one of my favorite novels of all time that he wrote. And then I just finished reading Purity, which is his most recent novel. And that's my pick of the week, by the way, Purity. And it, man, he, he is a masterful writer. And I, found his, I find his writing a little bit tough to get used to, at least I did at first, because his, he doesn't structure novels the, the, in the typical way. Instead of, you know, following one character for one chapter and then, you know, moving to another character for another chapter and then moving back to character A and then on to maybe a subplot and then back to character B and then back to character A, he doesn't do that. He has like maybe six or seven chapters that are about 150 pages a piece and they focus on one character the entire time. Lots of backstory, lots of flashbacks, lots of, you know, inner dialogue stuff but God damn, if you don't fall in love with these people they are so damaged and flawed and hilarious and um innocent and guilty and it, it's 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 just a wonderful wonderfully rich character study and you know larry moss talks about it in his book intent to live intent to live thank you yeah so he talks about you know one of the things he recommends for all actors to do is to read fiction because it it just flexes the imagination muscle and in many cases the empathy muscle and and this book I think would be a great book for actors to read because again great character study his his characters you just want to like sink your fingers into the into the goo of them and just like play around they're so rich and detailed and uh and the book itself was was a real joy I I just I found it really engrossing so it's a long book it's like you know 600 pages and the print is very small (laughs) (laughs) but uh i really recommend it if you're looking for some good sort of pictures
2: trevor there are no pictures then i'm out (laughs) (laughs) uh
1: but if you're looking for some good like late summer early fall reading this is a a fantastic book uh, that i couldn't recommend more highly except for his other book freedom which i actually enjoyed even more than this one so freedom or purity i'll make it a double pick of the week by jonathan franzen so that is a Mind of Your Own by Kelly Brogan. Uh, AJ and Jasmine listened to the audiobook version, and they say it's excellent. Purity and Freedom. Those are two separate books. Purity, Freedom... One, two, by Jonathan Franzen. So check it out. That about does it for episode 248. Anything else you wanted to drop in before we boogie?
2: Let's boogie.
1: All right. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubarek is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. Timothy Patrick Waterman is our director of public relations. Trevor Algott edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music and Fern Lim designed our logo
2: you can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes at our website insideacting.net you can also of course find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher and iTunes and that list just keeps on growing I love it if you do nothing else a favorable review on say iTunes goes a long long way it's kind of like tipping us in a way putting a little tip in our our tip jar because it helps other people discover the show as well
1: big thank you to our sponsors rehearsal pro and gogo.com and a big thanks to you guys our listeners if you love the show and you want to maximize its value in your life and career and support it continuing to happen sign up as a member and get cool perks you get access to our private member community you get invites to exclusive member meetups you get fun freebies special bonus content and a whole lot more that's seven dollars a month uh, just visit insideacting.com. dot click on the membership tab to get started with that if that is not your thing but you still want to support the show uh you can do so on a one-time no strings attached tax deductible basis if you'd like just visit insideactingnet slash contribute and if you're confused about how much to to support us with of course you can choose but i don't know maybe a dollar per episode Mm. maybe that's fair
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i like that uh, yeah, don't be confused. Just make it a big number. Uh, that's it <laughs> for episode 248 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, unplug. Unplugged.